events for breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Events for Breakfast. Now, the topic we're going to cover this week is diversity and inclusion within the events industry. It's such a massive and important topic that I wanted to make sure that we've got the right person to explore this area and have the right conversations and start to question some of our actions, cultures and behaviours within the events industry. So I'm delighted to be joined by Ashanti Bentel-Jew, who has recently set up Diversity Ally. Now, Diversity Ally are there to help the global events industry to become more diverse and inclusive in its culture, people and image. Ashanti is such a strong voice within this area and I cannot wait to hear her thoughts on how we can all work to become a better inclusive environment within the events industry. So without further ado, let's go meet her now. So Ashanti, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Kaylee. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And I can't wait. I've got so much I want to talk to you about. There is, I, could go, I know we could be here for quite a while. So I'm going to dive straight <laughs> in, straight in. And just so that our listeners get to know you a little bit, can, we te- can you just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into events, please? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, it's kind of accidental, to be fair. It wasn't a conscious strategy to end up being an event supplier to be honest but what happened was I started I left banking and I started my own business and of course in those days I was early 20s and the best way to you know get yourself out there with zero marketing budget was to uh, use um, online events and back then it was more kind of a Facebook live you know very basic online streaming at that point in time about five or six years ago um which you could do at any time so i used facebook live a lot to be able to market my services as a consultant and in any case that first consultancy kind of died off but what didn't was that people would ask me how on earth did you build this online audience and these communities and i said well i just did it online i created an online event and so that that is how we got to the place we're in now where EventMind is, is a um, virtual and hybrid event company. It really happened out of me trialing different things to get myself more exposure. So that's how yeah. <laughs> it came to be. You were absolutely ahead of the game, really, weren't you? Before everyone was probably thinking about virtual and it was all about experiential and face-to-face. You were already there and your mindset was in digital yeah. virtual. Yeah. And you know what it's like when you're young as well and, you know, you've got limited resources, you you find new things, right, to get yourself out there, to promote yourself and what you're selling. And so that's really how it it came about. Yeah, great. And we're going to talk more about Diversity Alley very shortly. um, And we are going to focus on diversity inclusion because it is a massive passion of yours and you've, you've built a great business around it. And it's also something I'm highly interested in too. So just to start on this conversation then, can you talk to me about um, why, why do you champion, champion diversity and inclusion so much? Was it something specific in your life that happened? Or mm. you know, did you feel that you needed your voice to be heard in a certain way? Or was it more of a jo- organic journey that, that's led you to this? 
Yeah, sure. So I think it's probably a combination of it being an organic journey, but also, unfortunately, I'm always the person to speak up, or at least I used to be. So it was less about probably my own voice being heard, but I've always been a very conscious person. So I do take to heart sometimes if I see other people suffering or being disadvantaged. As a child, you know, you know what it's like. You can end up taking on every single cause in the world, you know, and suffering um, that is happening to different groups of people at different times. And so I think I was just generally quite a sensitive child to these things. Yeah. And then I, 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 part of my natural ability, which is probably annoying to a lot of other people, is that I will speak up and I'll say, well, have you thought about and why don't you and actually this is wrong because and so I think it was a combination of those things that always I always ended up being the person at work for example who was like well why are we doing it this way that's not right or it's not fair or there could be a better way of doing it so it was more about I guess using my ability to reason with people and my presence in the room for other people's benefit so that's how I began to be more of a, an advocate, so to speak, within organisations that I've worked in for fairness and equality, regardless of the, the topic. So it may yeah. not have necessarily been about race, but it would be about the fact that, wait, hold on, this is not an even playing field. <laughs> so why don't we even it out? Exactly. But it, it needs people. To, you talked about the, you know, the fact that you may have been a bit of a pain for, for voicing yeah. your opinion. But actually, it's people like you and, and I think myself as well that will talk about these things and say, hang on a second, this isn't right. And this is yes. surely the only way that people are going to listen and, and change will happen. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I know it's annoying to people. I do. I'm aware of that. <laughs> Even the people in my family, sometimes just like, here's, you know, the rolling of eyes. Here she goes again. I have learned over the years, as you, you know, you do with maturity right um about context and time and place um but I think that probably I was always known to be that person who would not keep my mouth shut if I saw something that I not only in my opinion but I felt you know there was enough factual evidence out there that this is not right yeah and that's it and hopefully you know you being that that person that's voicing your opinion is being inspirational and motivational to people isn't it to the youngsters of today to you know make sure that they are not afraid to have their voice it takes people to do that for people to follow so it's a great it's a great thing i'd never say it's a bad thing at all (laughs) now um diversity and inclusion is such a huge topic isn't it you know there we could talk about this all day um but i want to go right back to the basics for a moment and just, Mm. just for our listeners that may not quite understand exactly what this means I just want to have a, just delve and look at what types of groups of people um, are not having their voices heard and are not uh, being allowed to have their own individual journey supported whether it's in their personal lives or in their careers so what what you know what is diversity and inclusion to you so that's a good question I think you know it's the irony is that anybody regardless of their identity can be marginalized or disadvantaged at some point in life yeah and this is what is important to remember you know the whole thrust behind diversity and inclusion in general is the fact that we want to redistribute power authority and resources and access essentially that's what it comes down to and so there aren't you know there are definitely some groups unfortunately in society in all 
kind of societies around the world that seem to be marginalized more often than not right so you can look at women you can look at um you know people of african heritage you can look at people who are disabled you know unfortunately there are groups similar to those who always seem to draw the short end of the get you know draw the short straw as it were but then there are other people you know you can go into that the nuances of being for example a white male okay there probably are nuances within those power structures where someone a white male could feel marginalized dismissed or disadvantaged so i diversity and inclusion is really about redistributing power resources access and authority and and that's that's a really good way of looking at it actually and i was just about to say then and the next question is all around you know if we look at company there is a big there is a big movement at the moment and there's a lot of noise um obviously around black lives matters you know there's all, all sorts that's gone on where companies are starting to listen and i think it's very late and and in the background over the last probably decades or so they have been overtly talking about it but there seems to be a real lack of change complete change um over the across the globe this is not just a uk thing this is across the globe so why do you think in 2020 are we not allowed to be our true authentic selves what is it that's stopping the companies taking action to, to listen and, and make the change mm. so i think again it goes back to you know redistributing resources power and access that is what moves the needle that's where the change will come in yeah. so to your point of course overtly we can all talk about showing up as our authentic selves yeah. bringing your whole self to work you know being yourself we all can technically do that if we want to at home yeah. but what makes the difference is the redistribution of those resources access and power and unless corporations organizations and people who have those resources and power are willing to do that there will be no change so that's why we see in 2020 the dire statistics that we see you know all over the world but if we're talking about the uk specifically because those resources that power and that access has not been redistributed yeah and i think there's been a case of it's been quite trendy and and relevant to talk about it but no one has been held accountable no exactly. companies are being held accountable to say this is what you need to do and this is how we need to make sure that everybody can can feel comfortably yes. in their own journeys at working in their careers so i want to come on to your your business diversity is it diversity ally have i got that right yes it's yeah. diversity ally so i co-founded diversity ally with gabrielle um, Austin Brown, who is another really great event professional veteran in the industry, yeah. um, who does a lot of diversity and inclusion work and separately. And so we came together quite organically over the last few months to form what is now Diversity Ally, which um, specifically focuses on that hospitality events and travel sector. Yeah. How can we help that sector specifically um, improve its diversity and inclusion? yeah which is a great it's, it's great and you're already making a lot of noise and i'd like to hear about what you're, you're doing in the frameworks a little mm. bit more and you know you and i are both events professionals um so yeah. if we look at our events industry in particular what do you think some of the barriers are in our industry to adopting that welcome equal community specifically for events and hospitality sure yeah so i think the first thing is just education yeah 
So one of the things that became very apparent over the last few months is that there was just a lack of understanding at the very foundational level as to what diversity and inclusion is, yeah. first of all, and then how that translates into events culture so whether it's the events that you're planning the events that you're marketing or actually indeed the makeup of your events business in terms of the supply chain and of course your actual employees yeah which is it's big isn't it and a lot of people that set up businesses probably don't realize and, and realize that they have to think about that whole supply chain and and you know what are their values around their supply sure. Um, and, and who they're working with and talking to. Um, can I just check? It's, it sounds like a fantastic sort of um, business that you've set up. Um, and we talked about events industry professionals needing to be accountable. What's the initial feedback and reaction that you've had from the leaders? Because we know that it's industry mm. that are going to make the change. We, you mm. know, it needs to start at the top. So having talking to some of the businesses within events industry, what is the feedback you're getting? Do you know, overall, it is very good. As I say, I think there's definitely a recognition that the industry could improve in this area. Yeah. But what is needed is resources and guidance. Um, and so what we believe in at Diversity Ally is supported accountability. So, yes, CEOs should be held accountable. But how can Diversity Ally support them in that? And that is through, obviously, the provision of the resources and our um, you know, expertise in how they can improve in specific areas so that hopefully in three to five years time, the industry reflects the people that it serves. Yeah, exactly. So can you tell me a little bit more about that, that framework that you've set up that, you know, if a business comes to you and says, I'm not sure we've quite got this right, what do you ask them to look at? What are the, the yes. measuring points? Sure. So Gabby and I really thought about these quite carefully. So we looked obviously across diversity and inclusion practice in general, and then we looked at some of the common challenges and dynamics of the events industry specifically. So one of the, the we created these benchmarks, which are these broad kind of boxes, um, which sit the main parts of the events industry. So for example, you've got the partners and suppliers, because we, we do use a lot of suppliers, right? Yeah. So we've got partners and suppliers, we have company culture, we have recruitment and hiring, and we have leadership and employees. Yeah. And so we looked at all of the main areas that make up the industry and what make up also an individual events business. And then we created some industry standard purges, okay, um, or benchmarks that can be used. And so usually when a company approaches us, we do ask them a lot about their business, where they're at, where they'd like to get to when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And then we guide them to the right set of benchmarks yeah. that can help them make some very practical changes. Things like the supply chain are easy wins because yeah. you're not having to change necessarily the whole infrastructure of your company, like, you know, recruitment practices, for example, which take time. But with the supply chain, if you have your budget approved already, there is much more autonomy that an event manager, event marketer has, or even the operations manager has when they choose which suppliers to do business with. So those things are easier wins. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I do think that some, like, just as a general out there sort of um, saying, I do think that a lot of companies might think that they are, they adopt mm. a diverse and inclusive um, culture, um, but they probably don't. So it's really difficult, isn't it? If, if all the leaders are thinking, do you know what, we, we're, we're inviting, yeah. we're welcoming, we support everybody on their own journeys, 
um, if you've got, if we've got leaders listening to this, what type of questions should they be asking themselves to just sense check that they have got this right and they don't need support from you? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, where to start? So this is where, you know, the, the, the breadth and depth of diversity and inclusion is revealed. Here's the, the irony of it. When you, in the UK, we have predominantly white workforces, statistically yeah. speaking, right? But within those workforces, there are individuals who are not happy, individuals who are still trying to reach out for promotion, individuals who have different needs that need to be addressed or supported or accommodated by their employer. So first of all, before we start thinking about who we're welcoming into our industry and our businesses, take a deep dive and do a survey on your current existing employees and ask them how they feel about the culture within their organization, whether the pathways to promotion are clear and transparent, whether they feel as if, you know, all of their abilities, they're able to use those within the workplace. If they're a working parent, if they have disabilities, if they're a carer, if they have different learning styles. Now neurodiversity is something that is being spoken about far more often. The layers of diversity and inclusion, you know, there's just so many. So first of all, you can survey your existing workforce and that will reveal to you how, A, whether everyone's on the same page, because you might be looking out on your floor and seeing maybe you have a predominantly white workforce, you've got 52% female like the events industry has. So you think, we don't have a problem when it comes to diversity. But you'll find that those kind of honest, transparent um, surveys and focus groups reveal some um, you know, needs that might need to be addressed in your, your workplace that can directly be mapped back to profitability and productivity. Oh, wow. So that's the first thing. Yeah. But okay, so let's say you've done that groundwork and you've thought about the soil, as I like to call it, that existing workforce really is the soil, okay, that you're inviting new people into. So then the next thing you can look at is, one of the obvious ones, is race. Yeah. Okay, so you have a predominantly white workforce, a predominantly white events industry. How do we change the image of the industry, considering the fact that the events industry serves nearly every single other sector? Yeah. And those sectors have more mixes right so absolutely how can we start attracting diverse talent how do we do that and so that's where you start really that foundation piece is really key because sometimes we can just assume that our current workforce is happy it has a healthy culture and because we see a lot of women on the floor that's enough yeah and it, it's really not is it and that that's the thing that people do need to stand up and be accountable for this and, and start being honest and open because i do think that the the millennials and the future generations are going to really look at a company's values um and they will only work with people who they really truly absolutely um, absolutely it's going to be key moving forward isn't it it, it really is and it's funny because what you've touched upon is two things you know one is young people so we're talking about millennials and down so your generation z and your alpha generation yeah no their world is much smaller than older generations before because of social media so ultimately even for families that might be living in areas where there's zero racial diversity for example their children if they're exposed in any kind of way to social media and popular culture are you know seeing people of different colors okay yeah. by the time they get through and they come through to working age 
they may be passionate about the environment, about sustainability, about mental health, all manner of things. And they will expect their employer to also be passionate about the things that they're passionate about. And they will also hold their employer accountable for that. And so if you're trying to attract diverse talent and you're thinking about productivity, you're thinking about innovation as well, and the longevity of your company, you're going to want to attract that young talent who has all of these skills and this outlook in life. But the, the, the trade-off really, what you can offer them partly is A, having some values when it comes to diversity and inclusion, yeah. and B, actually being able to demonstrate that you live those values. Like young people, it's called employee activism now, right? Employees want to see that the values that you have on the coaster, on the wall, on the conference room, on your website, they want to see that being lived yeah. by their senior leaders on a daily basis now. Absolutely. And I think um, companies now are very much rated in terms of uh, as, as an employee that on things like LinkedIn, you, you've got those sort of the, Glassdoor. Yeah, absolutely. Glassdoor. And you can go in and you can. It's a bit like TripAdvisor, isn't it? You can go <laughs> in and actually look at a company and, and you're starting to see some of these um, conversations being had. And, and a company really needs to think about that. Is it is it enough for a company to just put in? And I don't mean this. This is very, um, very blanket, a blanket statement. But is it enough for them just to put in a diversity and inclusion leader into their business and, and say, right, well, we've got that department that ticks that box. Um, for me, I, I don't feel that that's enough because it's the whole employee thing, isn't it? Everybody's got to get involved and everyone's got to ha be accountable, whether you are an, in admin, whether you're in events, whether, whatever you're in finance, everyone's got to be accountable for living the, in the right way. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. So the answer is no. The yeah. short answer is that it's not enough because here's the thing, you have to ensure that whoever you appoint as a champion or ambassador for diversity and inclusion within your company is a genuinely willing to carry out that role yeah. b is equipped to carry out that role now in order to be equipped you also need to have gone through some kind of education and training yourself yeah. so that a you're aware of the issues in general but then you're also aware of the issues that are relevant to your company so that you can support so that you can facilitate so that you can advocate on behalf of those people in your workplace so this is it's 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 a positive and there's some commendation for thinking, right, let's set up a working group or a forum or a committee or appoint one person. But you also need to make sure that you don't set them up to fail because there's been a lack of education and support for them to be able to carry out that role in a way that is respected and productive for your company. Absolutely. And I, I want to come on to um, women in particular, women, because sure. our events industry, like you say, is 52% women. Um, and I don't know if you said that with white women, is, or is that just 50%? It, it's 52% generally, but actually, you know, <laughs> most of that is made up of white women. Yeah, yes. and, I, and I see that and you can see that in everyday life in our in the way that we work, we can see that. But there is so much talent, you know, mm. in lockdown, I have seen and on social media, there is so much talent from from females and other ethnicities that are industry professionals that are not having their voice heard. How yeah. do you think do you think that's a confidence thing for them that they feel that they're not being supported to shout about themselves? Or, you know, how do they find their path and, and become equal to a white woman in our yeah. Sure. So that's really interesting, Kelly. I mean you and I had a little brief convo, didn't we, about the importance of visibility and personal yeah. branding. So 
you know, look, for every single professional, you know, who is trying to build a personal brand and some type of thought leadership, it is your responsibility to do the work, right? What the industry can do is make the, the playing ground even. That's that's the, the point, right? If yeah. we have an even playing field, then the responsibility is on individuals yeah. to make sure they are building personal brands that are, you know, offering something useful, you know, to their team, to their workplace, or to the industry as a whole. And so it's it, this is the point. The industry's responsibility is to make the the, the playing field even. Yeah. The individual's responsibility is to be visible. Yeah. After that happens. Now you're right. We're seeing a lot of talent who are doing that despite the lack of even playing field, which is brilliant. But we have to understand what our responsibility is within that. Yes, and and also if we think about, you know, um, I'm a white woman in the events industry. I want to support other people, no matter who they are. And I think it's really important that whether you're a freelancer, whether you work for an agency or you're in a corporate company or a supplier, that everybody individually is accountable for welcoming everybody into their circle. So how can somebody as as an individual make sure that they are living the values that we would expect and we want the events industry to be? Sure. You know, it will be, I always talk about this, you know, it really depends upon your sphere of influence and your network. So for example, if you, because what we're talking about here really essentially is allyship. If you are someone who organizes events and you're in charge of the content and programming, how diverse are the speakers, right? That's a a sphere of influence that you have. So how diverse are the speakers? That's one basic thing. If you are an event manager or planner, whether you're freelance or you're employed, and you are the one who chooses the suppliers or has some influence over what suppliers are chosen, is that an opportunity for you to think about how diverse your supply chain actually is? Yeah. It's just very small things. I always say, just think about what your sphere of influence is. You don't have to be a CEO or part of HR or a manager to make different choices, choices that support people within your workplace. And I also think as well, and I completely agree, I also think as an events industry professional, if you're delivering content, you can't just see it from your own sphere. So I yeah. can't, cannot just see it as an, right, I am a white woman in my early 40s in the industry um, and this is what I want to hear about you've got to think about it from what you know all different diverse Mm. backgrounds within the content as well because otherwise you're only going to attract people people like you like you (laughs) yeah but you know it's I suppose for all of us as individual human beings it's it can be a very absent-minded thing that we do right we think about what we would like essentially Um, and what we think is good what we think is interesting so again this work does take some effort in that you have to think outside of yourself and that's where the challenge comes in after you've done the education piece you become more self-aware but with that becomes or that comes responsibility because now you have to think about you know I have to think about it I'm an able-bodied person for example yeah and so I have to be aware of and it's something I have to constantly challenge myself when it comes to the events that I organize or how we serve our clients and, and bringing it to their attention. Have we thought about X, Y, Z, those with hearing impairments, those with visual impairment or physical disabilities? And really, it doesn't impact me personally, 
you know, but I feel a personal responsibility and also obviously as a practitioner to to make sure we're advocating for individuals who may have certain needs or um yeah needs and i i don't always like to put it within the context of needs because people aren't needy but we need to think about other people's circumstances on how we can as i say even the playing field for them yeah i completely agree you cut you've got to like you say and people that have got uh, that got the those needs and requirements around accessibility situations yes. um we did um i worked for the bbc for quite a while and we did a big thing around people that have got autism and, and do do um do, uh, struggle with sort of stress and anxiety yes. and we worked with a group of people that was a forum that talked about okay well if we're taking these people into a big conference with a thousand people in it how can we support them so that they don't have panic attacks and they don't feel stressed when the lights and the crowds exactly. are there so it's really it is re you've just got to think outside your own personal box haven't you yes. and to, to make the experience of the event the best for every single person absolutely it's such a great conversation, this. Um, so I want to know, you know, Diversity um, Ally is, is in its um, foundation sort of month. You've, you've set it yes. up during lockdown. You've already, you know, your voice is already being heard. What is your mission in terms of and your goals for the next sort of year to a year and a half? How will you know that you've, you've added value? That's a really good question. And so what, what we would like to see is the overall culture, image and people of the events industry start to reflect the sectors that it serves right yeah. so in terms of actual specific tangibles of course we'd like to see all of the major agencies all of the major exhibition companies and suppliers in the industry certainly in the uk and europe for starters make sure they have diversity and inclusion policies embed those policies throughout all of their processes structures and systems all right so that it becomes a performance metric even for their employees that if they're not demonstrating these healthier ideas and attitudes towards their colleagues but also to their end users and clients that they are given the required education Absolutely. that's what we'd love to see that on a basic level some actual policies existing embedded visible and accessible on their website because unfortunately at the moment less than 48 percent of events companies worldwide that's across suppliers exhibition companies agencies etc have a dni policy that is even accessible wow that, that that's stark isn't it when you look at it like that um, and as well as sort of um education you guys are also um doing your own events and things in the future yes. you're planning them is there anything one in, any event in particular you'd like to sort of call out now to let yeah sure so we we obviously as i say supported accountability so we have the conscious inclusion summit which will be launching in 2022 realistically yeah. and that will be a day where we encourage ceos um, and HR stakeholders across the events and um, hospitality sectors to come together and talk about diversity and inclusion properly. This is a really busy industry and going through a very tough time. Yeah. So there's always competing priorities. And of course, let's all be honest here, the, the biggest priority is also is always the commercials, right? Um, now, ironically, diversity and inclusion can make your business more profitable. Um, and so what we wanted to do is carve out some time to bring those people to the table to really talk about how they can benefit from 
you know, making sure diversity and inclusion is properly addressed within their organisations. So that is a big conference that we have coming up that we'd really encourage, um, as we say, founders, CEOs, etc., to get in touch about. And then, of course, we always like to celebrate and recognise people's hard work in the events industry. So we have the Diversity in Events Awards, which will be in September 2021. So that will happen before that kind of Conscious Inclusion Summit. And we're really looking forward to that, to be able to actually you know, show case studies and show examples of the companies that are genuinely trying to yeah. move the needle on diversity and inclusion. Because the more we shout about the good news stories and the case studies that are really working, the, the you know the more the rest of the businesses will then think I've got exactly. to game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's the and that often is um, really key. I think um, you know I think it's really key um, when it comes to being able to encourage other people. They need to see examples. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before I just um, give you the opportunity just to think about socials and how people can get in touch with you. How, how I mean, we talked about this before we, we, we got going on the questions. You are such a busy lady. Um, <laughs> what, what, what else, you know, how do you keep yourself, your mind healthy and, um, and, and keep yeah. yourself going? Because you've got so many different projects going on. So outside mm. of events and things like that, what do you do to, you know, look after sure. yourself? So I, first of all, I, I can't pretend that I am the most balanced person because that's just not true. <laughs> um, so I could, again, as a person on a personal journey, I could do a lot better when it comes to balance and what is now commonly called self-care. Um, but um, one of the things I do love to do is, is travel yeah um and read so those are the two things that and often of course you know traveling and reading are hugely uh really useful actually for thinking in different ways yeah and also inspiring you so you know often doing those activities will make me rethink maybe the way we're doing something in the business yeah. um or challenge maybe some of the or cause us to even go back and really stretch some of the assumptions we may have made or the research that we're collating. So I don't have a great balance and I'm always very honest about this. Yeah. But in terms of spending time doing things that I like doing, it usually is traveling, reading, or just resting and observing yeah. uh, the world, especially younger generations. I love to see the way they use social media, things like that. It yeah. can really spark some brilliant kind of moments it is fascinating isn't it and I think you're right sometimes when you when you work on if you go and do something that's got absolutely nothing to do with your job it clears your mind and allows you to think about things in a very very different way absolutely I love running and when I go out running because you can't take your phone you can't do anything and then it just makes me think through some of the creative processes a bit better or, or, or if a project that I'm working on it just opens up the mind so it does yeah, it's really important. Ashanti, this has been amazing. And um, I'm just wondering if people want to get in touch with you, um, can you just shout out your socials or your website and things just so that Yeah, you sure. So the best place to come and find me specifically is on LinkedIn. I'm always hanging out on LinkedIn. Yeah. And if you're interested in Diversity Ally and how we can help you or your company, um, you know, really move that needle on diversity inclusion, you can find us at diversityally.co.uk. Fabulous. This has been absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'd love to carry on having this conversation with you for a lot, lot longer. So Shanti, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Kelly. Wow. What a thought provoking conversation that was.
lots of information there to take away, to digest and really think about for ourselves. For me, what really was loud and clear is that it is going to have to be a united effort for us to all take action and also to take accountability for ourselves and what we can do. It's the people that are going to make the changes in this industry. So let's all stand up, support each other and make sure that all voices are heard. If you've got any questions or queries, then please do reach out to Ashanti. I know she'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Or if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear what you want to hear about in this podcast and any questions or queries for myself. You can contact me on my website at Storymaker Events or on all my socials and the handles are at Storymaker Events or Kelly Froome. It's been great to have you along today and hopefully you found it useful and insightful. Don't forget, subscribe on your usual podcast subscription service, like my podcast and don't forget to rate me. Get me up on those ratings. That would be absolutely wonderful. Have a great week and I will speak to you soon. Bye.